All right, we're gonna go live, and that means recorded, in exactly five, four, three, two, one. Hello, everybody! Hello, Focus Seek SLS 14 hashtag SL Bible. Jesus. Yeah. Welcome, everybody. This is the podcast, The Word on the Hill. My name is Scott Powell. And I am Father Peter Musset, and it is awesome to be with you guys today. Yeah. For all of our listeners out there, we are recording live from Focus's Seek, uh, not Seek, uh, the SLS Student Leadership Conference 2014 Dude, here what in are Dallas, you, Texas. Dallas, Texas, man. You, you're fine. in the it's past. What's going on here, man? <laughs> I'm living that, in the past. You're living in the past. That was pretty year. cool back, but we're here now. It was a good year. But we're super pumped. We're here with 2,000 of our best friends in Dallas, Texas. Uh, yeah. Learning about what it means to transform our culture for Jesus Christ and what it means to transform college campuses for Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. All right. So we are, uh, for those of you who don't know who we are, so we have a bunch of listeners that are with us. If you don't know who we are, we are the Lanky Guys, and we have this podcast called The Word on the Hill. And every week we get together and we talk about the Sunday readings from Scripture. We try to unpack what's going on, how they all fit together, and we make fun of each other a lot. Actually, it's really just Scott making fun of me, really. Yeah, largely. Uh, that's because I'm just massively neurotic. And, and <laughs> actually, that's Scott. <laughs> Psych. Oh. See? Yeah. <clears throat> They're booing you. They're booing. Take that. That's, we, well, I want to say that we, uh, we're sitting in like the Notre Dame graduate school booth. <laughs> And they don't know that I took their sign and made our own sign. I feel like so punk rock right now. I just have to tell you because, because like, this really is just Notre Dame. And so this is a shout out to Notre Dame. What's up? The graduate school. The graduate. The graduate school. And we have to give a shout out to Camp Boy Tiwa, our next door neighbors, who are kind of yeah. hosting us. And to Focus in general, to Steve Priest, who gave us a little shout out today. But for the Focus Ministry around the country, who's hosting us. And doing this great conference. So we're super, super pumped to be here. If you guys who are listening don't know about Focus, the Fellowship of Catholic University students, you should find out about it because uh, they're great. Yeah, and we have the speaker. You're actually able to hear us because Heaven is Real uh, gave us a real speaker. So, in fact, this speaker is real. Speakers are real. And Heaven is real. And Heaven is real. And so are the scriptures. And here we go. So what are we, what are we dealing with today? Where so are we? We well, are... So we're recording this. So those of you who are here with us, today is actually the epiphany, but we're going to be recording this podcast for the Feast of the Baptism of the Lord, which is next Sunday. So we're talking about all of those readings, and this is uh, the Sunday that officially begins ordinary time again, right? Yeah. It, or, so, or enters us into it. Yeah, it, which is basically boring time. It's just like ordinary, ordinary this is like, time. Mm. <laughs> I really like how much bass I have, you guys. Isn't that wonderful? I feel like I, sh I like... I like them very wide. That's a little weird. Can you feel how that's like the depths of souls? This is that's your soul. This is my voice. This is the word on the hill. Oh yeah. <clears throat> okay. That's creepy low. Th that is yeah. I feel funny. Okay, so we're gonna start in Isaiah today, aren't we? Yeah. So what we do, we're gonna give the the readings that we're looking at for this Sunday, and we're gonna try to find the thread together. So, so open your scriptures. Oh, uh, you're a Catholic. Look on with the Protestant yeah, next to you. Uh, or get out your iPhones. 
Get out your iPhones. And, and, and are your your, oh, you have New Testament. Okay, here we go. Okay, so you have half the readings. So yeah, that's, yeah. That's, fair. that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Two, two of the four. But if you guys are following along at home, so we're looking this Sunday at Isaiah chapter 42, verses 1 through 4 and 6 through 7. And we're going to talk about how frustrated we are that we're not talking about five, but we'll get to that. That's okay. And so then, Isaiah 42. And then we're going to go to Psalm 29. Verses with, 1 through 2, 3 through 4, 3, 9 through 10. And then got that? Acts 35, 40, 34? Wrong. What are, what are we doing? Acts chapter 10. <laughs> Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10, verse 34 oh, through 38. Yeah. Oh, I got the verse, not the chapter. And then Matthew chapter 3, verse 13 through 17. That's a good, I like Matthew. Everybody likes Matthew. Yeah, but I, my, my new favorite gospel has changed. I decided that Luke is better than Mark, which is better really? than Matthew and John. Mark is... I thought we were Mark buddies. We were Mark buddies, but no Not longer. Anymore. No, no, Luke is way better. I think you're just fickle. I am fine. fickle, but well, I, don't like, I don't like pickles. Ah, uh, very good. Thank you. Should we jump into it? Yes, let's go. All right, so we're looking at Isaiah chapter 42. So it really is amazing. You know, I don't, how many, have you guys all listened to our show before? Has anybody here listened to our show before? Okay, awesome. Wow, that's amazing. Well, if you haven't, like I said, and I mentioned this at the beginning, so we started this show kind of as a, it was sort of a fluke. We just started getting together weekly. We worked together at the St. Thomas Aquinas Catholic University Parish in Boulder, Colorado. Yeah, Boulder. Whoop, whoop. Yeah. And we started getting together every week to talk about the four Sunday readings, to kind of try to tie the pieces together. And well, Yeah, you know. kind of, except for the, what, I, what I realized is that Scott is like way smarter than me. And I was like, Scott, I don't have any time. Would you just like make a reflection on the scriptures and record it and email it to me? And so Scott That's would true. be like, and so <laughs> there was some scriptures in Isaiah and it had like a, a good thing. It was so boring. It was awesome. It was totally lame. And, and I was like, no, Scott, let's do this together, man. Let's go. And so we developed a, a havarim. Have you guys ever heard that term? Havarim, it's a Hebrew term. So one of the things in, in ancient Judaism, which is where, of course, our faith was born, um, the rabbis thought it really important that if you were going to study the Word of God, if you were going to study the Torah and the Scriptures, you actually needed to do it with the community of people. That it was best not to just sit alone in your room and pick up your Bible and study together. Although that's important, you needed to take what you had studied and throw it against other people and argue and work through it and, and fight with each other once in a while and wrestle through the scriptures to try to get to the depths and get to the meeting. So we decided to do that together and discuss these things. So sometimes we decide, let's not even prepare, let's just fight about what we think it means. But, yes. but it's not just what do we think it means. This is the beauty of being Catholic. And when we get to study the scriptures, we get to study the scriptures from the heart and the mind of the church, who has been thinking about these things and writing about these things and commenting about these things for over 2,000... 2000. For about 2,000 years what, Like 1,987 years or something. So this isn't just what we think about things, but it really is trying to unpack these. And the beauty of the, the liturgy that we're all blessed to be a part of is that the church in her wisdom chooses these four readings every single week in a three-year cycle. And we kind of have the challenge, and priests have this particular challenge, of trying to tie all these things together. Okay, what does Isaiah have to do with Matthew? And what is that all doing together? So we, we try to find the thread. Yeah, and, and a lot of you, I mean, like, this is the thing, is that you have awesome priests. You've got priests, and they're preaching, and they're preaching the word to you. But it doesn't always happen that you go into Sunday Mass, and you're going, like, like all of a sudden, it turns into the Peanuts teacher. I don't know if you've ever had that happen to you. It happens wah, to me wah, all the wah, time. Wah. It's like, it's like, it's like, 
in the name of the and you're like and, and this is the thing is if you prepare then it's awesome so what we're gonna do there's a shark in the house so you guys a remote controlled shark is yeah, toward us. Uh, just in case that's kind of terrifying it is alright so we're starting with Isaiah chapter 42 um, if you ever listen to the show we've actually been or if you've just been going to mass I guess this isn't all based on just us <laughs> but if you've been going to mass lately we've been in the book of Isaiah for a while it's been the first reading in mass for a few weeks now and Isaiah is a brilliant book and we've said this before on the show Isaiah is often referred to as the fifth gospel because there's so much in the book of Isaiah about the Messiah and what he's going to do and what that's going to look like and so if you want to know what the Messiah is going to do, where he's going to come from, who he's going to be, what sort of things he's going to do, you look to Isaiah because there's so much going on there. Isaiah is split into two halves. There's kind of the bad news and the good news. So the first half of Isaiah is all the bad news. Basically, God telling Israel, you've been sinners, you've blown it, you've broken the covenant, you've abandoned me, you're going to be punished. But around chapter 40, everything changes. And we get what's called the book of consolation or the book of comfort. And, and God and starts saying, but... I'm going to restore everything. You've been sinners. You're going to be punished. But there is light at the end of the tunnel, and I'm going to restore everything, even greater than it was before. Yeah, and and uh, prepare the way of the Lord. Like John the Baptist says, I'm the voice crying out in the wilderness. That line is like what the designator is, a voice crying out in the wilderness who separates horrible times from the amazing times. I wish you could all see Father Peter's hand motions. It's big. There's lots it's of big. people. I know. Because no, that's what it is. I feel like Chewbacca. <laughs> <laughs> Just in case you're wondering, that that's like I have the spirit of Chewbacca right now. And you're growing your hair out. So dude, that's if Chewbacca reflected common. on scripture, then I would be Chewbacca. Chewbacca. On scripture. Yeah, dude. So this week we're coming to chapter 42, which means we're in the book of consolation. So we're in the good news. So Isaiah has finished his his long warnings about all the bad things that are coming and all the punishment that's going to come, and now he's saying, but beyond that, if you have the strength to look beyond the darkness that is in your world, you're going to see what God is about to do. And so in chapter 42, we enter into what, what scholars call it's the first of what are called the servant songs. And it's all about this idea that there is coming a Messiah, there is coming this figure who is going to save everyone and everything, but he's going to be a servant. And, you know, this is the thing. We were kind of talking about this before the show. One of the things that, you know, sometimes Christians fall into this bad attitude that, you know, I don't know about you, maybe Christians don't, but I did at one point. And I looked back and I said, you know, our poor Jewish brothers and sisters who just didn't get it. You know, I mean, gosh, I mean, you read something like Isaiah 42 about this servant who God is going to do all these things with. You know, Obviously, that's all about Jesus. You How know, did they not see this? You know what we're gonna, I'm going to do right now is no. they, they, need to, they need to hear this reading. Okay, Otherwise, it it's going to be obscure. That's true. So this is Isaiah, and it says, Behold my servant, whom I uphold. My chosen, in whom my soul delights, I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break, and a dimly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not fail or be discouraged till he has established justice on earth, and the coastlands wait for his law. Thus says God, the Lord, who created the heavens and stretched them out. Okay, this part is actually not in the reading that you're going to hear during Mass. Be forewarned. Hashtag dismissed. Okay, whatever that is. I, 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 I need a good hashtag for That's that good. part. That's good enough. Okay, yeah. Hashtag, hashtag just, verse just 5. Just through it, man. Okay. we got a deadline here. <laughs> yeah, thus says the Lord, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread forth the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people upon it and the spirit to those who walk in it. 
I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I have taken you by the hand and kept you. I have given you as a covenant to the people, a light to the nations, to open the eyes that are blind and to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison, those who sit in darkness. Okay. Yeah. So here's, here's the paradox of this, of this uh, reading. So we have this line, and Father Peter pointed this out to me earlier. What's that line? It says, he shall, this is around what? Verse, three verse or four two, he will not cry or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. He will not cry, so everyone catch that. He will not cry or lift, out, uh, lift up his voice in the street. But then a couple verses later, it yeah, says like, what? Uh, the Lord goes forth like a mighty man. I like that. A mighty man. I like mighty man. A mighty man. Like a man of war, he stirs up his fury. He cries out. He shouts aloud. He shows himself mighty against his foes. So check this out. In the same that's, chapter, that's the it dramatic says reading. he's not going to cry out or shout in the streets. And then a couple of verses later, it says he's going to shout out in the streets and yell and be a mighty warrior. So, I mean, you, lo you look Which at the scriptures. It? You have to look at these prophets and you think to yourself, wow. No wonder so many people didn't recognize the Messiah when he showed up. Because there's these prophecies that say, you know, Zechariah says he's going to come humble and riding on a donkey. Other passages say he's going to have a mighty arm and a strong arm. He's going to defeat all of his enemies. Other passages say he's going to be a servant and be a bruised reed and be, and be tortured and humiliated. Well, which one is it? Is he going to be a quiet, you know, not yelling, abused, you know, a beat up servant? Or is he going to be a mighty warrior who knocks down all of his enemies? Well, what's the answer? Yes. Yeah. He's going to do all of those things, but if you're on the front end of that, it's really hard to tell what that actually looks like, which is why so many people, when Jesus actually showed up, were so confused about what the Messiah was going to look like. Well, wait a second. Some of these passages say he's going to be a mighty warrior, so why is this guy this humble, you know, poor carpenter that nobody's ever heard of before? No, he's supposed to be a big, loud, mighty king. Yeah. And we can look in hindsight and be like, well, no, he actually does do all those things. He doesn't, you know, I read this passage in Isaiah, and I'm thinking when it says he's not going to cry out or shout or make his voice heard in the street, that the word for street is literally way. And when I think of a way or a street in terms of the gospel, the first thing I think of is the way of the cross, right? And we know that when Jesus was led up to Calvary, the moment that, you know, most of us would probably want to fight back more than anything, that's the moment that he was quiet and he was silent and he was reserved and he took it. And there was no shouting because he knew that his enemies were not the Roman soldiers that were attacking him. That wasn't who needed to be defeated and knocked down. The enemies that needed to be defeated and knocked down were actually death itself and Satan. And when Jesus hangs on the cross, what he's actually doing is making a mockery of death and saying, this enemy has now been defeated. I'm taking the enemy of death to the grave and then I'm going to spin on it and I'm going to rise again in three days. What do you think of that? But yeah. we tend to think, no, it's the Romans. Those are the mean guys. Or it's the government. Or it's whoever our you know, enemy of choice is in any given time or place or culture that Christianity exists in. And Christ is saying, no, no, that's not it. It's the, it's the very powers of evil themselves. It's the power of the enemy, of Satan, of death. That's what I came to scream at and shout at and knock down and defeat. And so he actually does do both. Yeah, I've heard that um, that there was a, there was a theory. There was a, a rabbis in, in some sense that they said that there would have to be two people that would come. Yeah. That there was enough enough content to who the person of Christ was. That that there was no way that one person could actually fulfill both of these realities. Yes, I don't know who those rabbis were, but they were smart. <laughs> so, well, and in a certain sense, they're right because Jesus absolutely. is what he is—God and man. He is two. Um, He's one person 
with two natures. Yes. Is that right? Yeah, he's kind of like, <laughs> yeah, yes, you are correct. Yeah. yeah. He's kind of like. So Moka, in a certain sense, they're right. Moka Magane. Moka Magane is this like metal. It's called, it, it's a Japanese word and it means wood grain metal. And it's two kinds of metal that are like fused but not mingled. And just look it up on their net. It will it'll make you <laughs> super excited. It's super cool looking. On Etsy. Yeah. Okay. Right. Let's go to the, let's Psalm, go to the Psalm. Psalm 29. Yeah, so yeah. the psalm we're going to be reading, the response to Oriel is, the <laughs> Lord will bless the people with peace. The Lord will bless his people with peace. And then it goes, I'll just give you the first stanza. It says, give to the Lord, you sons of God. Give to the Lord glory and praise. Give to the Lord glory. Do his name. Adore the Lord in holy attire. Am I on the wrong one? No, no, you're on the right one. But, but when I read it, the, verse 4 says, the voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord uh. is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon, which yeah. is what I've always wanted to, like, and in my heart, I actually pray this when I put on the microphone for mass. <laughs> the Lord's voice shatters the cedars. It breaks Lebanon. It is like, I always think that that's like a good prayer because like you, should, you can like pray with like anything and like put on clothes and be like, yeah, I tread the awesomeness with my microphone. And they, that's what I think it should be. That's kind of like, I, 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 yeah, that's what I do. Well, here's the, the paradox with that. So you, you brought that up again. I asked you to remind me. So thank you. You're welcome. So the word that's actually, I love language. And the word that actually shows up when it says the voice of the Lord shatters the cedars of Lebanon, does all this stuff. The, the Hebrew word in the original Hebrew text, which is the original language the Psalms are written in, is the word kol, which is Q-O-L, kol. And kol, the, the other place that word appears like that. is in the beginning of Genesis. So do you guys remember the Genesis story when God creates everything and he creates Adam and Eve and Adam and Eve sin against him. They eat the fruit. They, they don't trust God. And it, when they realize what they've done, remember they hide, so they cover themselves up with the fig leaves, they hide from God, and then the scriptures tell us that God came to find them, and it says they heard, uh, they heard the sound of the Lord coming, and that's what made them hide. Well, the word for sound is actually that word coal. The sound of the Lord that Adam and Eve actually heard coming through the garden is not, you know, God with his hands in his pockets just kind of whistling as he goes along, oh, it's a nice day in the garden. What they heard was this voice that shatters the cedars, that, that causes you know, roots to be upended. That's what they heard coming into the garden. But that powerful tree-shattering voice, what we find out in Genesis, what is, that, what is it doing? What is God up to? Well, he's trying to seek them to save them. And this is what all the rabbis said about Genesis chapter 3, is that when God is coming, he's not coming to accuse them and say, what did you idiots do? What, what a mess you've made of everything. He's coming to call them back because they've wandered off, they've hidden themselves, and he wants as a loving father to welcome them back. But that father who wants to bring them back is also powerful and mighty. And that mercy actually shatters the cedars of Lebanon as well. And that's the voice that is hovering over the waters here in the Psalms. Dude, do you know, I, I'm like, you guys, I'm freaking out right now. Okay, so the, the whole purpose of, 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 of what we do is to try to actually find the link that brings together all the readings. And, I, and as you're talking, I just, I, I'm hearing it, and I'm very awesome. excited to actually, so you got to hang out and, and actually hang with us. Don't leave. Okay, there's... <laughs> Somebody just got up and left, as you said. Dude, that. but... That's fine. But th what I know about this is that's the, that's the work of the Lord, is you got to hang out with it for a little while, and then at the end, you're gonna, your brains are going to explode, and you're going to be like, that was the best thing ever! Okay, so thanks for everybody who hasn't left. So we got to piece this together. So, you know, Especially the, the you. way that the church does the scriptures in mass is like, it's like stair steps. We start with the Old Testament, and then, you know, we sort of, we, we sing the responsorial psalm after the Old Testament, and, and the church says that's like stepping up a stair. 
and we step up that stair of the psalm into the New Testament. Then we get the second reading. And then we actually sing another psalm. We sing the Alleluia, which is itself a psalm, oh. and we're now stepping up into the gospel. So we're climbing these stairs in the liturgy to come face to face with Jesus himself. So we've climbed the stair, and now we've found ourselves in the New Testament. We're in the, God, in the, the book of Acts. And it's chapter 10, so we're kind of, it's a narrative that's progressively moving along, and this is one of my favorite chapters. <laughs> You're flipping out. <laughs> I am. You guys, it's the best. Listen with the ear of, of, of like a voice or a word or a mouth. Just like keep it in your brain. Keep it in your brain. Yeah, yeah. Hashtag keep it in your brain. Hashtag. Um, totally so, fresh. So Acts chapter 10 says this, and this is my favorite section of Acts. It says, Peter proceeded to those who were gathered in the house of Cornelius, saying, in truth, I see that God shows no partiality. So we got to catch everybody up Hold on, on you, this. you have to let me read this, because it said, Peter said. Ah. 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 But, but explain yourself first. Okay. <laughs> so context is everything, right? we got to kind of know what's going on in Acts. This is, I think, the turning point in the entire life of the church in the New Testament. So Jesus goes to the cross, he dies, he saves mankind, he calls his church to go out and make disciples of the nations, which is what you guys are all here to do. And this, in the New Testament, is the turning point of when the church figures out what that means. Here's what happens. In chapter 10, Peter is, uh, well, in chapter 9, he was, he was called, so Peter, you know, the, the chief of the apostles, the pope, he was called to go to this place called Joppa. And in Joppa, there was this, or, or he was right near Joppa, and there was this girl named Tabitha, who was dead or sick, and so the people called him to come there and, and raise her from the dead because they said, well, we saw Jesus raising people from the dead, so if Jesus can do it, maybe his disciples can do it as well. And by the way, I'm always kind of fascinated by that. The nature of Acts of the Apostles was such that people saw the disciples and they said, wow, the guy that these people follow could heal people from the sick, raise them from the dead, cure the blind and the deaf. I bet the disciples can do that as well. And I always wonder myself, man, when people see us, do they think the same things? Wow, here's a bunch of people who, oh, they're focused missionaries or they're focused student leaders. They follow Jesus. I bet they can be like Jesus to me. And I don't know if the world does say that when they see us, but I hope that they would. But anyway, so there's Peter, and he stays at the house of this guy named Simon, if that's not confusing enough for you. Yeah, yeah, his name it, was Simon, now he's staying with a Simon. Yeah, that's just weird. But it, so, it's, so like, it's, it's, it's like old Peter. Old Peter, yeah, no, totally. Damn. And he's standing up on the roof, he's, he's standing at this guy's house, and he was up on the roof, he was taking a nap. You guys remember the story? And, and he said, he it behold. Nap, and it said he was hungry. He was hungry. Because, well, we're all hungry. I'm staring at the pizza over there. Yeah, there's some, there's some pizza. If, if you're famished, eat pizza. But he sees this vision. Take and he's, he's and laying eat. up there. He sees what a friend, a teacher of mine once called the pigs in a blanket vision. So he sees this vision of a blanket or a sheet with a bunch of different animals on it. And presumably they're all the animals that the Old Testament considered unclean, that you couldn't eat. And so the sheet is descending and a voice comes from heaven and it says, rise, Peter, kill and eat. All of these things that previously you've been told not to eat. And, and then Peter, he says, no, Lord, for I've never eaten anything that is common or unclean. Yeah, so I mean, imagine that. God gives you a command to eat these animals, and Peter says, no, God, I'm not going to do it, which you don't say no to God if he tells you to eat, if he tells you to eat the pork chop, you eat the pork chop, but Peter doesn't know what to do with this, because he's been taught his whole life you don't do this, and it raises this question, because Peter's told by God to eat all these unclean animals. Yeah. So let me ask you, and I always say this in my classes. Okay. Can Catholics, are Catholics allowed to eat unclean foods? Oh, this is what Scott always does to me. And I, he, like, I always feel like whenever Jesus is in the Gospels and he says, tell me, what is your opinion? 
you always know that it's like basically there's like some like bait and you're like ah and you're you know you're gonna get snagged. No, no, no. Well, so, what do you guys think? Are Catholics allowed to eat unclean foods? Yes or no? Yes. No. Oh no. Remember this. I was Catholics gonna say yes. Are not allowed to eat unclean foods. But wait a second. Father over there is eating pepperoni. That's a pig. Dude, you're eating pepperoni with no, cheese. It's, okay. it's like Sorry, totally not kosher, dude. He just spit it on the floor, dude. Let me repeat that. Catholics are not permitted to eat unclean foods. How can you say that, Scott? I just had a pork chop yesterday. Well, read on. What's the next line? What is God's response to Peter saying no? What God has cleansed, you must not call common. What did so, I just... Did I just say that improperly? No, you said it right. Okay, what yeah, God yeah. has cleansed... You must not call common or unclean. So I ask you again, are Catholics allowed to eat unclean animals? Well, what Why happens, not? It says it happens three times. It what? happens three times. Three times. Good things always come in threes in the New Testament. Dude, which whenever God asks you something three times... You listen. Yeah, I don't know if you're... I once had a nun... And then, like, I had done something. I had, like, taken this thing from the chapel, and she was like, Father Peter, do you, or Peter, do you understand that you're <laughs> not supposed, that this is not yours? And I was like, yes, yeah, sister, I, I understand this is not mine. Uh-oh. She was like, she, I, she was like, no, no, do you understand? And I was like, yeah, sister, I, I understand. She was like, no, do you understand? And, like, at that point, you're like, you're like, what? Are, I don't know. Uh, and you're like starting to like go through the file. And, and so I was like, what I'm going to do is reflect exactly back what sister has given. So I was like, yes, sister, I understand that I cannot use the CD player from the chapel and use it to make mixtapes in my dorm room. <laughs> she was like, good. And I was like, oh, OK. This was very specific. Yeah, that was like my one time. That was the triple answer. And it was it's way it's very biblical. It was super biblical. That's the way to do it. I'm very thankful for that, sister. So here's the thing. We're not permitted to eat unclean things. Why? Because what was once considered unclean, God has cleansed. He didn't change his mind on the law. He changed the object of the law. Now, ultimately, this is not about eating bacon, although that is a part of it because we like bacon. Yeah, thanks be to God. I just saw an ad, too, for the bacon cup. Did you guys see that thing? It's like makes the bacon cup and you can put guacamole and eat it. It's just like, it was awesome. Never mind. Keep going. Okay, did. bacon was sweet. So, but that's, that's true, but... What's got happening is that this is what gets us to our, where we are now. As that's happening, these guys show up from some guy named Cornelius, who's up in this other city, and they say, hey, our boss had a dream that we needed to come here and find some guy named Peter, and we need to bring you back, to, back home with us. And Peter's like, okay, well, I just saw this crazy vision three times, so I, best, I, I guess I better do what yeah, I'm told. Yeah, absolutely. So he goes up, and it's the first time that the gospel is preached to a non-Jewish community. And he preaches to this whole group of people and this guy, Cornelius, this Roman centurion, his home, and they all hear the gospel. Now, Peter just heard this message that what God has cleansed was previously considered unclean and common. God is now cleansed. So it's a part of you now and a part of your life. Now he's called to go to this community of Gentiles, which were considered unclean and outsiders and people over there. What Peter's being set up for is that now is the moment for the gospel to go out to those who we never dreamed we were going to take the gospel to, because that's precisely where God wants to take it. And yeah. that's where we pick it up in the reading today, and where Peter starts saying, I see now that God doesn't show impartiality. I see now that I should share the gospel just as much with the person in my Bible study as I should with the drunken frat guy down the hall from me in the dorm. Because God shows no partiality, and what I consider distasteful and somebody I don't want anything to do with, God has said, no, that person is called to receive the gospel. And yeah. everything has changed now. But 
what's setting us up for the gospel, which is the baptism scene, yeah. is that God is now changing the entire structure of the universe down to the very water that flows in the rivers. He's changing the universe with his incarnation and with what he's about to do on the cross. And he's showing that through this vision of animals on a blanket and this group of, Ces of these people in Caesarea up at Cornelius' house. Mm. Take that. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I don't have much of a response to that. That's like <laughs> phenomenal. I just, I just love it. it. My brain is exploding. Okay. That's good. Should we go to the gospel? Yes. Okay. So the gospel comes from Matthew, and like I mentioned, this Ma is Matthew so it's three. The feast to the baptism of the Lord. So yeah, of course. And so it's three Matthew three thirteen to seventeen, and it says this: Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, "I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me?" But Jesus answered him, "Let it be so for now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness." Then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, he went immediately up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting a, a on him. That's an interesting term. Alighting on uh, him. Ah, alighting. That's awesome. And then, lo, a voice from heaven says, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. That is what God sounds like. <laughs> that, that was the best version of that I've ever experienced for myself. I just have to say. It's because there's so much bass. In yeah, the that speaker. was like, dude, that's what you want the voice of God. Like, I want it to be like serious bass action, dude. <laughs> Do you know that whenever I hear like a bass car that like, and they're like bumping down the street, I always think that it's a dinosaur. I pretend that it's a dinosaur in my mind and that it's like going boom, 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 boom. And walking down the street, just in so case you're wondering. Every time you to, yeah, so, that. so that's what I think of the voice of the Lord, that it's like way better. But it's probably got a lot of bass. Okay, probably. so we're back. All right, we're back. So, okay, this is this great scene. Now, I'm, trying, I'm thinking to myself, okay, why did the church in her great wisdom choose to put the first servant song as the first reading today when we have the baptism? Well, because wh what's going on here? Jesus came from Galilee to John of the Jordan. It's this moment, we've probably heard this before, a lot of you have. Jesus goes to John the Baptist. He's like, hey, I need to be baptized. John knows that Jesus is the Messiah. He, he, I don't from, know if he from, knows from he's the God womb, or not. From dude. the womb. The dude was dancing in the womb when he met Jesus. I mean, the, he, uh, he knows him pretty good. They were playing football together when they were kids. They did Jesus it. was better. He really was. was. He was a good quarterback. Probably. Although he was a servant, so maybe he submitted to him. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe but I mean, not. imagine knowing that God is coming to you, or at least the Messiah is coming to you, asking to be baptized. He's like, no, I, I can't. He's flipping out. I can't do that. But Jesus is actually becoming, in a certain sense, the servant, the lower one, saying, no, I need you mm. to do this for me. Which, which servant? Sense, fulfilling the first reading. Yeah, and servant actually means under rower. <laughs> I was reading an interlinear, and I like that term. Yes. We also read a Greek translation that said he came to be dip-sized. Dip-sized. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> I need to be dip-sized by you. So <laughs> it's really kind of better that way. I really kind of want to change it. Now, this, this reading always brings up this kind of fundamental question that I think people always have, and I've always had this. So this question, okay, oh, oh, fine. Now, Jesus came to be a servant. He came to kind of submit himself. But why does Jesus... So what happens to us when we're baptized? We are fundamentally changed... How, though? We uh, go into the death and the resurrection of Jesus. To do what? Cleansed by original sin. Cleansed of what? Death. Uh, caused by what? <laughs> sin. Sin. So baptism, what? Cleanses us from sin. Yes. Right? Everybody clear on that? No. So why does Jesus need to be baptized? 
Be- oh, see, this is the, this is what when I think of this. Okay, I whenever I see Jesus going into the baptism, I, I'm like, of course he's free from sin. The guy is he, he of course. And so when I always think of Jesus as a sponge, <laughs> literally, like I'm like, because if if I was gonna try to encounter the entire world, how would you do it? How could you possibly touch everything in the world? Mm. And. Ah. And I, ah. and I thought, you know, water is amazing mm. because, again, it covers most of the earth. Our bodies are made up mostly of water, you know. And so if you think about it, by touching one little bit of water, the Lord touches everything. Because that water will evaporate. It will go up to the clouds. Okay. It will be recycled. It will come back down and rain. It will yeah. literally, literally touch everything. And so when Jesus goes into the, into the river to be baptized, I just imagine him. It's like, it's like this kind of like slow motion with like lots of bubbles. And it's like... <laughs> like like down in the middle of it and that he's a sponge and that in that moment he takes the entirety of the sin of the world onto himself and begins his ministry and takes that sin out into the desert as the as the sacrificial lamb as the as the um, scapegoat and yeah. and and actually goes through bearing the sin bearing the consequence of everything and fights and wins against Satan's um, terrible machinations. Yeah, there, there's a saint. There's an obscure saint. I forget his name, but he once wrote that it's not Jesus that needs to be cleansed by the water, but rather it's Jesus who cleanses the water and makes all through doing that makes all water fit for baptizing the rest of us for the rest of. The existence of the earth. That's what I said. No, it is. <laughs> so I'm just saying that you're in good company. <laughs> you said it much I more know. beautifully than I, I know. I just I. Would like to do that. Yeah. Mm. But this kind of brings us back to the. Nah. Nah. But it brings us back to this idea of the voice, right? That was kind of the first theme that came up. This voice. Yeah. So where do we see a voice now? From heaven. Do you guys know that this moment is the first time in the whole Bible? where the entire Trinity is present explicitly. The whole Trinity showed up. Did you, appear, did you catch that? The first time in the Bible. So you have Jesus the Son going to be baptized. You have the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove descending. And you have the voice of God the Father speaking. This is my beloved Son. First time that explicitly all three persons of the, of the Trinity actually show up. Profound moment in the Bible. And what is God the Father doing? He is the voice. And what is that voice doing? Well, dude, it's hold on. I just have this. I'm I'm looking. I'm studying Genesis, and what I'm realizing is that the seven days of creation are actually in this moment brought about because no. because you tell have, me more. Tell me more. Light and dark. Oh. Earth. So so you have the light and the dark, the firmament and the water, the earth and the seas. Then you have them dominated by the sun and the moon by the birds and the sea monsters, and then by man, and then ultimately by the Sabbath. You have that kind of, that, that, that six days of creation, the first three, second three, Sabbath, seventh. So it's on top of that. And by the voice of the Lord with John the Baptist. So you have John the Baptist, Jesus says, is the greatest of all, the, uh, born of woman. And, and so it's natural creation. It's the, it's the highest. It's the shepherds. It's the sun, the moon, the stars, the water, the firmament, the heavens. It's yeah. all coming together into this totally profound yeah. recreation. Yeah. I, I mean, in a certain sense, the fact that the church gives us the second reading with Acts of the Apostles before this is sort of giving you the proof for why what Peter's doing in Acts of the Apostles has meaning and has necessity. Because it's showing, look, Peter needs to go out to the nations, to all people with the gospel. Why? Because we see in the gospels that Jesus has actually just transformed all of creation. He's just 
resurrect, he's begun the process of resurrecting and transforming all of the cosmos. And he's done it through transforming the water. And so if that's true, then we have an obligation. We are compelled to go out to all the nations, including this guy Cornelius' house, and share the gospel, particularly with the people who we never thought we should share the gospel with before. In voice. So that's the thing is, in voice, like uh, all of this. Thank you. Yeah. (laughs) Dude, they were paying attention really well. I love you guys. That's awesome. No, that's the thing is that it's it's, uh, all of these things. It's uh, the voice of God. And we are actually, that's why John the Baptist is greatest born naturally. But those who are least in the kingdom of heaven, you've been given voice. You can utter the word of God. That is not something that's prohibited from you. Yeah. And when you speak it, it is powerful and recreative and true. Yeah. For, for real. And, that, and that's why when we say we've been baptized into him, we rise again. Yes. And what have we been given? We've beca- we been given a voice. A voice. Because I, what happens when Jesus comes out of the water? It's the voice. That's the first manifestation that, that takes place yeah. when he comes up. Man. Awesome. Yeah. Take that. Yeah. Which is awesome because, again, we're here at this Focus Conference, and this is what Focus is equipping you guys to do, to give you, they're giving you tools to have, and, and all of us, we're, Father Peter and I are going to these sessions too, we're all being equipped to have a better voice to go and do these things, which is incredible. So we're very blessed. This is a great feast day that we get to have this Sunday. It is a great feast day. So thank you guys for coming. This is awesome. Remember that uh, you can tune in to us on iTunes. So you just search, search for Lanky Guys. You can go to lankyguys.org if you are technologically challenged and you just click on the week. Um, it's very easy. You can find us on Facebook. You can send us an email. You, you can, can find us on Twitter. Before. You can call our cell phones. <laughs> you could call our cell phones. <laughs> Scott's cell phone is 303 <laughs> 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 We hope and we pray that you guys have an amazing last couple days of the conference. Thank you guys all for listening out there in listening land, wherever you are. Um, Thank you guys for being here. (laughs) And we love you. We'll be back next week. Thank you guys for listening.